Welcome to the weekend edition of the Daily Stoic. Each weekday, we bring you a meditation inspired by the ancient Stoics, something to help you live up to those four Stoic virtues of courage, justice, temperance, and wisdom. And then here on the weekend, we take a deeper dive into those same topics. We interview Stoic philosophers. We explore at length how these Stoic ideas can be applied to our actual lives and the challenging issues of our time. Here on the weekend, when you have a little bit more space, when things have slowed down, be sure to take some time to think, to go for a walk, to sit with your journal, and most importantly, to prepare for what the week ahead may bring. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. Opening up to a therapist might feel uncomfortable, exhausting, or exhilarating, but one thing's for certain, if you keep talking or texting with a licensed therapist, you'll gain insights and uncover truths you can only find in therapy. If you want some personal breakthroughs and judgment-free support, you can sign up right now for Talkspace. At Talkspace.com, you sign up online, you get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours. It's incredible incredibly convenient to have virtual sessions with your licensed therapist, and you do it from the comfort of your home. There's no need to commute to appointments, miss time at work, or line up childcare in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made easy. And to celebrate May, Mental Health Awareness Month, and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering every listener of this podcast 80 bucks off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com slash stoic. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash stoic to get 80 bucks off your first month with code SPACE80 and show your support for the show. That's Talkspace.com slash stoic, code SPACE80. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Ryan Holiday. Welcome to another special episode of the Daily Stoke Podcast. Now, it would have been four or so years ago, I got this email out of the blue from a guy named Thomas Toll. Now, Thomas is the founder of Legendary Pictures, uh, which has done all sorts of amazing movies that you've certainly seen. Um, but he wasn't talking about, you know, the film rights to one of my books or anything like that. He said, hey, could you do me a favor? He says, I'm a minority owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you may have heard about this guy, Ryan Shazier, who took a real bad hit in 2017 against the, the, the Bengals, and he's paralyzed. And what Thomas said was that he had given Ryan a copy of The Obstacles Away because it looked like Ryan would never walk again and that Ryan had read the book there in the hospital and he wanted to connect us. He wanted to know if I'd take a few minutes to talk to him. And I said, of course, I'd seen the hit on TV. I'd read articles about it. Actually, my, my, my friend Michelle Tafoya uh, had done a, a report on it. And so I'd been following Ryan's journey. I had zero idea that uh, he had read any of my work. And, and Ryan and I became friends. We texted back and forth many times. We, we've talked a bunch. I gave him recommendations. He asked me for advice. I took a whole lot of inspiration from it. Um, and, uh, you know, we kicked off a friendship. And I, I, I told Ryan that I thought he should do a book at some point. And he, he has done one now. And that's what we're talking about today. 
But I thought I'd read this quick passage first from an article that Paul Kicks had done about stoicism in sports, because he talked to Ryan uh, Shazier about it. And there was this beautiful passage uh, that that I think um, gives you a sense of this connection that Ryan and I share. This is, this is Kix's article. Here is Ryan Shazier one day during those hazy months of his hospitalization after a hit against the Cincinnati Bengals that left him motionless on the field after doctors told him he had a 20% chance of walking again. After he told his fiance, I understand if you don't want to care for me. And after she stayed by him after spine stabilization surgery and even after rehab sessions began at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, On one of those days when he still can't feel anything beneath his waist, here is Ryan Shazier sharing at the unadorned hospital walls and turning now to a knock at the door. In steps Thomas Toll, part owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Toll thinks of Shazier not just as Pittsburgh's all-pro linebacker, but a friend, and he carries a book with him. Especially with what you're going through right now, Toll says, pulling up a chair next to Shazier, I thought this would be a good book to read. The obstacle is the way. Shazir has never heard of it, but as he reads, he finds that stoicism reminds him of the life he led before the pain and depression of those months in the hospital. If he is to live again and live well, he has a choice to make. Like the book's author before him, be the man he is or the man he should be. Live by his doctor's pitied prognosis or by a life of his own making. To be a professional athlete is to believe that nothing is impossible. To know that an obstacle in your path can give you the strength to remove it. And then the article goes on, thinking about how far he's come, Shazier, and there's no other way to say it, philosophical. Hey, this obstacle, he says, it's not what you expected, but one of my ultimate goals is to bring more joy, help more people be their better selves. These days, he and Holiday talk about a book he might write. I didn't have anything to do with this book, so I'm not biased at all when I say that I think you should read it. Um... It's called Walking Miracle, How Faith, Positive Thinking, and a Passion for Football Brought Me Back from Paralysis and Helped Me Find Purpose. It's out everywhere now. Ryan has also started the Ryan Shazier Fund to ensure that all spinal cord injury patients have the same support and fighting chance that he did to live independent and meaningful lives, no matter their socioeconomic status. The dude is a fighter. He is a great human being who I am so glad to have gotten to know and to bring to you in this episode. We recorded a couple months ago, and I've been sitting on it, waiting for the book to come out. And here it is, the one and only Ryan Shazier, all pro linebacker and uh, a hell of an athlete who life dealt an incredible uh, obstacle, and he has managed to come through it to fight his way back from paralysis Uh, He danced at his wedding. He's probably never going to play football again, but he's found a way, as he said, to live a purposeful, meaningful life and to help others through that. Please check out his new book, Walking Miracle, How Faith, Positive Thinking, and a Passion for Football Brought Me Back from Paralysis and Helped Me Find Purpose by Ryan Shazier. And uh, enjoy this interview. You can follow him on social media, at Shazier on Instagram, at Ryan Shazier Fund on Twitter, and RyanShazierFund.org. Check it out and enjoy this interview. And do read the Paul Kicks article about Ryan and me and professional sports, which we'll link below. And uh, have a great weekend. I was thinking about 
you obviously uh, you and I are, are connected in a, in a sort of a weird way. Um, but, but instead of starting there, I want to start with the sort of first bit of adversity, uh, unexpected uh, adversity that, that hits you in your life, which is which is alopecia. So, so talk to me about where you were in your life when suddenly this thing just starts happening to you. Yeah, when I was when I was younger, about five years old, I was diagnosed with alopecia. Me and my family at first, we didn't know what it was. It kind of threw us off guard, and a lot of us were pretty scared. But after a while, we went to a few different doctors, and they were able to figure it out. And they just told me I had alopecia, which is an autoimmune disease, which causes people to lose all their hair. But some people, it is all over their body. Some people, it's just their armpits. Some people, it's just spots in their head. So it started off with me with just spots, but then it started to grow even more. Then I'll go to different doctors. And as it continued to grow, I mean, not grow, but as it continued, my hair yeah. continued to fall out. Uh, it just came to a point where I just talked to my mom and dad and just like, hey, I'm cool, man. I'll, I'll just go without my hair. And then, and my parents did a really good job of, you know, helping me define who I was. Because when I was younger, they told me, hey, if you have alopecia and you can't hide from it. So it's either you're going to wear a hat all the time or you're not going to wear a hat at all. And when they kind of made me do that, it really just made me become more comfortable with who I was. And after that moment, I was, you know, uh, completely fine with, you know, just rocking it, rocking, rocking with no, with no hair. I I imagine that was a, a difficult thing for a kid that age to come to terms with because it it wasn't fa- it wasn't fair it wasn't your fault there was sort of no hope no solution you just had to accept this thing that probably made you feel uncomfortable and certainly sort of uh you know probably made other people treat you differently yeah at first it was definitely difficult i would say a little bit more for my my family members than myself because my parents, none of them had any hair loss. My brother didn't have any hair loss. And all my cousins and everybody was completely fine. So it was a little bit more difficult for my parents at first because just their child being a little bit different is difficult for any parent. Mm-hmm. So I think that scared them more than anything. But after a while, you know, we just just said, hey, no matter what, like, we love you no matter what. Ryan's the same person no matter what. and. And I was completely fine with it after that. And uh, my my parents always put affirmation into into my spirit and always had gave me positive affirmation. So I always felt great about who I was. When uh, somebody would try to knock me, you know, I always knew there was nothing wrong with me. I just didn't have hair. And my parents always gave me a heads up or always told me, like, Ryan, just because you don't have hair, doesn't mean that you're the only person with problems. Everybody has problems. People can just see what you're going through. And when they told me that when I was younger, that really helped me out a lot because then when kids would try to pick on me or things would be going on, I'll be I'll tell kids, man, you you know, you can crack jokes all you want, but 
you know, you can just see what I'm going through. What like what are you going through? Or or like if a kid would crack a crack a joke, you know, I'll just laugh at the joke. And after a while, it, when when somebody's trying to bully you or pick on you, uh, and you know the joke's not funny or you're laughing at their joke, then it's not the same type of energy or the same type of uh, incitement for a kid. Or you know when they're trying to bring you down. So after a while, I just you know laughed at the jokes or you know combated it with that. And then once I started to get older, you know. I was starting to be a lot bigger than most kids, and uh, <laughs> kids kids don't really bully kids or pick on kids that that's bigger than them. That that's such a beautiful way of expressing it, though. What a what a profound lesson they gave you that everyone is going through something. It just happens that because yours involves what sits on top of your head, it's public, but that other people might be going through things much worse. I mean, the fact that you had two parents who loved you, who cared about you, um, you know. Uh, there were plenty of kids, I'm sure, who were picking on you who did not have those things. Yeah, I was I was really blessed to have both of my parents, um, both Karen. My mom or dad was at every single game I had in high school, except for one game. And my dad was really sick at the time. Uh, the first time my parents actually missed a game uh, besides that moment was when I was in college. And they didn't plan on missing any of those games either. It was just I was so far away. So I was just really blessed to have a, a really strong supporting cast. And I know a lot of kids weren't able to have that same type of situation. So I didn't really try to knock them for that. But I always used to tell people, you know, you know, you can just see what I'm going through. You might be going through something, and this is why you're expressing your way to the way you're expressing it. But after a while, I was just like, hey, man, I'm I'm good with who I am. And then that kind of – after a while, I just was like, man, you can crack jokes all you want. If it's funny, I'm going to laugh, you know, and the majority of the time when somebody would crack a joke, I wouldn't have heard it before. So um, it really didn't bother me too much. Was there at least some, I mean, uh, I, I imagine you just sort of turned that into your look as well, right? Having a sh having basically a shaved head? Yeah, I just really just turned it into my look. And then uh, my parents always used to try to tell me like, or show me like athletes, that were bald head and just be like, man, you see Michael Jordan's bald or Jason Taylor's bald. Or I remember there was a lot of guys for the University of Miami. I wasn't in the University of Miami then, but a lot of guys were bald at the time. And my, my dad was like, see, like, like these guys are bald and they're great athletes. You know, like just because you're bald doesn't make you any different. You can still be great at something just because you have no hair. You know, so they kind of had me look up to other people that were bald, you know, most of those guys lost their hair just because of old age or, just, right. you know, their family, their, their families, you know, they just have bad hair history or something like that. But when I was younger, it kind of made you feel, you know, something like them or like, like, Hey, he's bald and he's a hall of famer. Like, why can I be great? Or why can I be good at something? I'm bald. You know, any, anything, any little thing like that can help a, a five, six, seven year old. Did you do you feel like you channeled some of that energy or maybe pain or uh you know whatever towards being great at football? Like what draws you to to excel on the field? I I've been playing football ever since I was five years old. So around the same time I was losing my hair was when I really started to play the game of football. And my dad used to be a coach for a high school team. He was a defensive coordinator. So I used to be with them all the time. 
And after a while, I just started to grow more and more love for the game. I probably used to ignore the hell out of the coaches because I used to just always try to draw up plays or tell them to do this or tell them to do that. And, you know, I'm a little kid, so they're like, we're not about to use that play. But, but I used to always love the game of football. And just after a while, I, I became better and better and better at it. And I was already kind of an aggressive kid, but that was one way to, like, if some something did bother me, I'm not a really combative person. Uh, if if something caused me to, I will be that. But I used to just, hey, if I'm mad, I can use all this anger on the field. And and I even did that until I was in the NFL. Sometimes I have situations where I'll be frustrated or mad or upset. And I'll just let it boil all the way down into the game. And then I'll just, you know, use it in practice or use it in the game. Uh, when I got to the NFL, I ain't try to be as mad during games because you know, you have to focus a little bit more. But when I was in high school and little league and in college, uh, if I was frustrated, sometimes I could definitely use those during practice or a game to kind of let out my, you know, emotions. And you also, I mean, you picked a sport that you get to wear a helmet. So uh, the hair thing's not, not, not visible. Yeah, it's not visible, but I, <laughs> it's really easy to find out who's bald and who's not, especially when they take the helmet off. It's not most people that keep them on the whole game. So, but yeah, you, but you are right though. So, uh, you 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 start to be a standout football player. Um, you, you play in college. You get drafted. Uh, you're, you're you do everything right. You're you make it to a Pro Bowl. It looks like. You know, you're going to be I mean, you're on a you're on a Super Bowl contender. You're uh, a, a standout player. You how how long had you been in the league? Three years, four. Yeah, I got hurt in my fourth year uh, in the NFL. So you're going into your your, your fourth season. It looks like, uh, you know, most it's really like sort of I'm after that. Fourth season, yeah. yeah. After that third season, that's really where the contracts start to kick in and stuff. Right. Like you're you're. You you made it longer than most people do. You got over the hump. It looks like everything's going your way, and then life has other plans. Yeah, it was it was crazy because that year I was I was playing really well. I was at a really high level, and some of the, my teammates would say, "Hey, Ryan, you you was in the you know competition for defensive player of the year, or you could have been this, or you could have been that, or." Or Ryan, man, like you were having one hell of a year. And I, I feel like I was having a really good year. Then, unfortunately, you know, God had other plans for me. And I, I ended up getting injured on December 4th of 2017. And uh, that's when my life went to a complete, uh, you know, turnaround. Because I went from being a world-class athlete, feeling like I was one of the best in my position in my job, and possibly could have been one of the better guys in history at that job. And I went from being that to being completely paralyzed. So that's kind of the complete end of the spectrum, you know, being able to feel like you were Superman, then being in a position where you just had to use somebody else's support and be dependent on somebody else so much. It's it's definitely a, it's definitely a situation where I don't wish on my worst enemy, but I also thank thank the Lord for allowing me to go through something like that because it's humbling, but also it it helped me engage with so many other people that I don't feel like I would have engaged with. 
Do you, do you remember what the last thought going through your mind was? Like you're sort of like old, old Ryan, the Ryan that comes out of the other side when you wake up in the hospital or you wake up on the field. Do you kind of remember what was going through your mind, what you were thinking about as you lined up on that play? I was just thinking it was a regular routine play. And as the play was going on, I knew exactly what was happening. I was well prepared for the play. One thing that was crazy is with all the NFL rules and and rule changes, I was actually trying my best to make a, you know, a a solid tackle, try to get my head out of the way and really focus in on trying to make a tackle the way that, you know, the league is trying to adjust everybody to making a tackle. But in that situation, me trying to change up the way I actually tackle I think it actually put me in a worse position and, you know, I, you know, didn't anticipate that my head would end up where it ended and I hit him in the hip, you know? So uh, it was actually more about just, Hey, this is a routine play. Let me just try to make a routine tackle, but, you know, let me try to do it the the way that they're trying to adjust the league to. And um, that was really my thoughts during that play. Like I can remember the whole, Lineup of the play, I seen the receiver coming. I was like, "Oh yeah, this is a, this is not a, a hard tackle. This is a regular play that I'm a, that I made, you know, thousands of times in hundreds of games." Do you and and when you when you come out when you wake up, is it pain that you feel? Is it surprise that you feel? Is it? Do you so know? I really didn't get knocked out. So I I I, I got knocked out, but it was for like a split second. It was just more of you know, uh, of a pain. It was kind of just a surreal moment because, you know, being able to run a 4-3, get to wherever you wanted to at any moment to then now trying to get up and you can't move, it, it's definitely, uh, it's def- it was definitely a surreal moment. And, and being a Monday night football game, you know, you have millions of people watching you and the whole stadium was quiet. It was just kind of a crazy moment because everybody when they're doing any type of situation they never feel like it's going to be them the one that goes through a really bad injury the one that gets shot the one that gets struck by lightning the one that gets in a car accident you know the one that gets cancer nobody feels it's going to be me you know and and I felt that way in the NFL I felt man I'm one of the best guys in the NFL at this moment if anybody get hurt, I might get a, a stinger. I might hurt my ankle. I might, you know, dislocate something or tear MCL or, or ACL or something. But you never feel like, hey, at this moment on this play, this is going to be my last play that I'm ever going to play. Or this right. moment, I'm going to get paralyzed. Like, people don't ever think about that. People always feel like it's not going to be me. Like, what's the odds? Like, the odds of that happening in the NFL are less than 1%. And I was that 1%. You know, so it's like you, people don't think about that stuff. So that's 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 the type of uh, thing that I was really thinking. It's not going to be me. Like this is no way. So when I got hurt, I was like, man, it's no way that I got hurt like this. And you know, I just didn't think it was as bad as it was until actually going through the whole process of trying to get better. How how quickly did you realize that everything had changed? Was it on the field? Did you sense something? Like, no, it was oh, it was. It was, it was I, I didn't say, "Oh, this is bad." Until probably 
two or three weeks into it because I was like, oh, man, you know, I, this is something like a stinger. I have a bruise on my, my spinal cord. I'm going to get better. I'm going to get better, you know, just like any other bruise, it heals. And that's kind of what I was thinking then, you know, about going into week two. I'm like, man, this is way worse than I thought. You know, this is not. This is not what I was thinking. And, uh, and you know, I just started to trust God. And I was like, hey, this is what I was thinking. But one thing I've done before in my life is overcome adversity and be able to get back to where I wanted to be or even get into the NFL. The odds of getting in the NFL are less than 1%. So I was like, the odds of getting better are, are greater than, you know, greater than 1%, but less than 20. So I was like, hey, I got a good chance. So that's. So that's what I did. I just focused in and my wife, my friends, my family, we all just said anything that was positive and we didn't really allow any negativity into the room, into the space, into my mind. And I just started to push forward. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. I talk about that in Growth Hacker Marketing. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com stoic. That's netsuite.com stoic. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases. The time is now more than ever to embrace breathtaking, sinister, and shocking tales that have enthralled you, especially with brand new exclusive thrillers. My wife and I have both been raving about this book, Furious Hours. Whether it's kids' books, my books, thrillers, history books, the Stoics, it doesn't matter. You can find whatever you're looking for on Audible. My belief is that books are important and amazing. I'm little bias, of course, as an author. And whatever gets them into your brain, I'm all for. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. Visit audible.com slash dailystoic or text dailystoic to 500-500. That's audible.com slash dailystoic or text dailystoic to 500-500. Yeah, I, I read it. It sounded like people sort of encouraged you, particularly early on, that you could come back, that you would play again. Um, and and maybe that was possible, maybe it wasn't. Do you feel like it was good that you believed that you would come back from it? Or did that set, do you feel like that set you up to be disappointed later? Or do you feel like you needed that hope, whether it was false hope or not? Do you feel like you needed to believe that you could you could play again to get through those dark days? I feel no matter what you do, you always need hope. It doesn't matter if you feel like that hope is is 100% certain or that hope is as fake as a Marvel movie. At the yeah. end of the day, you have to you have to go out there and believe that you can do something. If I was 5 years old, 10 years old, 20 years old and didn't think I would make it to the NFL, I would have never made it. You know, if I if I didn't and most people were like, "Man, you'll never make the NFL." You know, if, for astronauts, some people would say, "Man, you'll never touch the stars," but you, but they do, you know, and at the end of the day, my goal was to always to reach for the sun, and maybe I might not make the sun, but at least I made it to Mercury. At least I hit a star. You know, at yeah. least I got to where, like, I reach, I reach for the stars, 
and you know, hopefully, I mean, I reach for the sun and hopefully get the moon. You know, that's to me. That's that's not, that's how I how I am when I'm achieving and, and reaching for something. Uh, I just don't aim for hey, let me just let me just try to get better because even if I don't get to play again. I got better. I got able to chance to play with my kids again. I'm able to walk around and enjoy life. I'm able to still do the things that I enjoyed when I was playing before. So I definitely wanted to play football again. I definitely wanted to be a pro bowler, be a pro bowler, be a Hall of Famer. But at the end of the day, God has bigger plans for you. And at, you can you can want something really bad at one moment, but four years later you can think back and be like, ha. Huh, I really wanted that, but that really helped me get to where I'm at now. But so it wasn't really a disappointment. It was just more of a setup for another, another path. I remember one thing you told me, you may have still been in the hospital when you told me this, but um, it's interesting. So you're talking about, you you have these huge goals. Uh, I'm going to come back. I'm going to shoot for the stars, whatever. But I also remember you telling me something like uh, football is a game of inches. And that this recovery is also like a game of inches. Can you just make a little bit of progress? And I remember I passed that on to my mentor, Robert Green, who was recovering from a stroke at, at the same time. Um, so, so walk me through how on the one hand, you're like, I'm going to do the thing that they say can't be done, which is I'm going to play again. But then also you're taking it inch by inch, day by day. Yeah, so one thing, especially with this injury, like I, like you were saying, uh, football is a game of inches, and the reason people say football is a game of inches, if you ever see a fourth down play or a third down play, and sometimes you'll see a guy reaching for the first down or reaching for the yeah. touchdown, and sometimes you'll see fourth and inches, or they'll go for it on fourth down, and then they'll bring out the measuring stick, and they they miss it by, you know, a feather yeah. or a pin, you know, like or a marble. They miss it by that much. And that lets you know, like football is a game of inches, and it takes it doesn't. It might be a hundred yards in the in the field of football, but sometimes in that ten yards you're trying to get in the first down, you might get nine yards in eleven inches, but you don't get twelve, and you know you don't. Hit, and, and now the ball is turned over, and it's yeah. kind of the same thing with this when it came to my injury. I wanted to just constantly get better. Little by little, because at the end of the day, everybody wants to hit the home run. Everybody wants to win the Super Bowl. Everybody wants to be an NFL player. But at the end of the day, some people don't want to put in all the work. They just want to get there. And one of the things that me and my dad kind of came up with was every every little thing is a first down. And so all you have to get a bunch of first downs to get a touchdown. And and, and there are sometimes you'll have a big play and you'll you know you might you might go eighty yards. You might go ninety yards and, and score a touchdown, but that's that's a lot less often than it is uh, regular. You know, so one thing that we was, we kept saying, hey, hey, just that's another first down. If you know, if I can stand up, that was a first down. If I can lift my leg up, that was a first down. If I can pick my toe up, that's a first down. You know, then I I built all that stuff up. You know, then now. Once I was able to take my first step, that's a touchdown because I had to do all these little things to be able to do that. You know, now I was able to take 10 steps. Man, that's another touchdown. You know, now I was able to, you know, able to do all that stuff without a walker. 
You know, that's a first down. And then now I had a cane. That's a first down. Now I didn't have to use anything. That's a touchdown. You know, you st- or you you you'll be doing all those little things. And I'm not saying that those specific were my my touchdowns and my first downs, but walking at the draft, that that is a first down. I mean, that is a touchdown. You know, because at the end of the day, I sh- I was able to show everybody how blessed I was and and how God allowed me to overcome adversity that people never thought I was able to do. And I was able to do that in front of millions of people. That is a touchdown because it didn't matter if you like me or not. I feel most people in that situation just was like, man, it's good to see this man be able to walk. It's good to be able to see this man overcome what he overcame because I never thought he would be able to do it. That's, yeah, that's a touchdown. I think about like the greatest comeback in the in the history of uh, the NFL, the 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 Patriots uh, Falcons Super Bowl, and and I had Martellus Bennett on uh, like a year and a half ago. When we were talking about it, but it was really you know just moving the chains, right? Like they didn't just miraculously come back in in one swoop. It was like, are we moving the football? Are we putting points on the board? Let's just keep racking up progress. And cumulatively, that might put us in a position to be competitive at the end of the game. And it sounds like for you, you were just like, am I racking up inches every day? Am I racking up first downs? Am I moving the chains? That you didn't quite know whether that would end up with you wearing a uniform again uh, or graduating from college or uh, dancing at your own wedding. But you knew that if you were just making progress, moving the chains, that was at least better than laying in the bed feeling sorry for yourself. And you're you're 100 percent right about that. When when I knew just every day, just a little bit by a little bit, you can get better. It'll be days that I don't want to do anything. It'll be days my wife would say, "Hey Ryan, get up, come on, this is what you want." But you don't you don't wake up and just be able to walk. Right. You don't wake up and just know how to fly a plane. You know, you don't wake up and just end up in the NFL. Or write There's a, a lot of people or write a book. You write about that. You, you just don't wake up and do that. You might have the skills to do it and you might have the talent to do it. But once you start it, it's a lot more difficult to do it than it is to just then it, it, it would be if you build up off a cumulative of reps and actually learn from your mistakes. And then like, hey, I wrote a book this time. But uh, it was good, but I know what I can do better. I knew I knew what I did in this coverage. It was good, but I know what I can do better because if I do that versus Tom Brady, if I do that versus Ben, or if I do that versus Patrick Mahomes, that's not going to work. It might work versus a young quarterback, but, hey, I got to get better. You know, Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt, they're some of the best pass rushers in the league. Aaron Donald, they're some of the best pass rushers in the league, but they practice hard every single day. They don't just wake up and be like, hey, I'm 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 Aaron Donald. I have three defensive player of the years. No. It, it comes from working and taking it step by step. Sometimes those steps are things that you don't even think will be things that can really help you in the long run. But but those are the things that do. So a lot of times people don't a lot of people a lot of people want it now but aren't willing to put the work in now. So what, when was it exactly? Cause I was thinking about this. When did uh, someone pass you my book? I think it, w- it was Thomas Toll, right? One of the owners of the Steelers gave you the obstacles the way. 
Uh, yes, sir. Uh, Thomas, me and Thomas are, are pretty, pretty good friends. And uh, one thing me and Thomas talked a lot about was just reading in general, because I told him I wanted to start to read a little bit more. And because you had time, uh, he, right? He's he, sitting in the hospital. Yeah, I, I definitely had I definitely had a lot of time, but I just wanted to start reading more in general. And one thing Thomas does uh, is sometimes is he he would say, "Hey, this is a good book you should read," or "This is a book you should read," or and this was even before I got hurt. But then when I got hurt, he was like, "Ryan, I think this would be a great book for you." Uh, it, it definitely talks about what you've gone through, but also it can help you along the way. And he he passed along your book, and it, it really it really helped me out a lot because uh, it made me really think about, "Hey, just because I'm going through something, don't don't fight against it. Use that to help you find a way through it." And uh, that. That helped me out tremendously. Do you do you remember what you were thinking about? Like, was playing starting to be less likely to you? Were you then starting to think about how you were going to use this as you were, you know, deciding what the next course of your life would be, or were you still thinking like, I'm going to claw my way back from this and and play again? So I was still thinking about clawing my way back and playing from this again. Uh, I didn't really think about not playing anymore until pretty much. Right before I retired, me and my wife would just talk and I talked to my family and I just I, I knew how much I put into it. And I and I really do feel if I could have if I kept rehabbing at the rate I was rehabbing, I think it would have been a possibility. But one thing about me is that when I do things, I always want to try to give my best and try to be great at it. And I didn't want to come back and be somebody that I wasn't before. I didn't want to come back and be a different Ryan Shazier. And I felt I could have been good, but I don't feel like I would have been the same guy. And one thing about me is I, I always try to put my best foot forward. And and I just I just didn't want to go through possibility of, hey, man, we expect this out of Ryan. Then Ryan can't do the same as he once did. And uh, I actually uh, thought I can do better at, you know, being a father better at possibly doing business than I could at football at the time. And that's why I decided to, to, to move on then. And, and, and I remember as we were, we started talking, there was all these sort of moments of like stunning progress, right? There, you, you walk out uh, on the field. I remember watching a video of you doing box jumps. There was footage of you running on the beach. It really did see like you had already blown apart all of the expectations like you you had already disproven so many doctors wrong just by you know standing uh, on two feet right yeah you're you're 100 correct about that there's a lot of doctors that didn't think i'll be where i'm at now uh and i'm just it was it was just a blessing I, I put my work in but one of my favorite verses in the bible is faith without works is dead and i don't know if that's exactly how it's written but it's basically saying you can have all the faith you want in something, but if you don't put the work into it, it's not going to come to come to uh, fruition. And and that's one thing that I want to do. I want to make sure that I put the effort in, and and uh, and I was going to trust God and continue to push forward. And and that's and that's what I did. Welcome to. 
Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. You could say, right, the obstacle is the way I've always been a student of failure, of things that go wrong. It's so easy to celebrate things going right, but we can learn a lot from when it doesn't go right. Each week, David Duchovny chats with guests like Ben Stiller and Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalyst for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure. Fail better together. Fail better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Hims is changing men's healthcare by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. It's always sensitive talking about these things, but Hims is changing men's healthcare by providing access to doctor-trusted ED treatments such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and 100% online. No uncomfortable doctor's visits. If prescribed, your medication ships to you for free. No insurance needed. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash TDS. That's H-I-M-S.com slash TDS for your personalized ED treatment options. Hard mints are a chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with your healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. So as as these uh, as the progress is, I imagine giving you hope. You know, uh, you, you've. I remember the GM said something like, "There's no ceiling on what this guy's capable of." Everything was on the table. I mean, they they didn't even cancel your contract, so you're like still you still have a locker with the team, right? Um, but at some point, it as you said, you start to realize uh, maybe you couldn't come back to where you were. You realize that it, it wasn't it wasn't gonna happen after all the hope and the progress and the, the the work that you'd put in did that did that break your heart like how did you feel having to wrestle with like the death of a dream you know that 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 feels like it must have been crushing I feel if I were to retire right after I got hurt like immediately just made a decision I feel like it would have been a more difficult for me then then when I decided to do it, I was able to be around the team a lot. I was able to still enjoy the NFL. I was able to be a, continue to be a father. But as I continue to grow and see the path that I was going and where I wanted to be at, I just felt it was more important to be a father than it was to be a football player. And at the end of the day, sometimes dreams just help you find a path for somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what football was for me in the first place. I wanted to be in the Hall of Fame. I wanted to be one of the greatest ever. But football is a platform to allow you to achieve multiple things. Some people achieve greatness in other ways. Michael Strahan, he's a Hall of Famer in football, and he might be a Hall of Famer when it comes to broadcasting or TV. Yeah. You know, and, sure. and, you know, Bill Cowher's the same way. Tony Romo's the same way. And to me. Unfortunately, my, my, my career ended a lot earlier than I wanted to. But as I continue to grow, uh, my love for the game is still there. But it came from a different passion. And my passion to play 
wasn't the same as it was before. But honestly, I it it did hurt sometimes when I went to games or I'll drive by the stadium. It would hurt because you because in the day, Ryan, I've been playing football since I was five years old, and my first time not playing football was when I got hurt. I've been injured, but not actually like sure. deciding or not want or not deciding or or something deciding I can't play anymore was when I got hurt. So when that happened, you know, it, it definitely hurt, but it also made me feel it, – it also gave me a peace of mind as well because I, I just can move on from it a little bit as well because everything I've done always been around football, surrounded by football, and football created it. And the fact that I was able to create something myself other than my kids – and just to be around my family a little bit more and just started thinking about things that I wanted to do after football before I got hurt, it really kind of gave me a peace of mind. So it, it hurt. I'm not going to lie. It definitely hurt because that day I've been doing something since for 20 years, and it, that's the only thing I've done in my life for 20 years. So I just – I would definitely say it hurt, but uh, it definitely gave me a peace of mind because it definitely allowed me to continue to grow and, and just find myself. Yeah, I think when when people hear that phrase, the obstacle is the way, I think you, it's easy to to misinterpret it, right? The idea that like uh, you can turn anything around, that everything can be salvaged, everything can be saved. And I'm, I, I mean, a lot of things can, but it's more complicated than that, right? To me, what Marcus Aurelius is saying is he's saying that um, every situation is an opportunity to practice virtue. So for you, you know, you, you get hurt. Uh, it's this devastating injury. Obviously, at first, it looked like there was an opportunity simply to come back, right? This was an opportunity for endurance, perseverance, persistence, um, you know, strength of will. Um, and it and, and perhaps it could have been, but, but what it ultimately turns out for you is it's an opportunity to discover who you're going to be, what you're going to do next, to deal with pain and loss and difficulty with grace. Uh, and then, as you said, to figure out how you're going to use this platform you have now to write the next chapter of your life. Yeah, you're, you're 100% right. Uh, like you said, a lot of people feel that when you say the obstacle is the way or, hey, man, you can save everything. And I'm going to be honest, everything is not savable. And I, to me... I don't feel like I was getting saved from anything or salvaging anything. To me, I was just looking at it in a different light. Uh, I knew before I got hurt, football was a platform, and they allow you to open up a lot of doors that you weren't possibly able to open up before. But so then I, I just started to say, hey, my obstacle is this injury. I got it from football, but football is still that platform that allowed me to open doors that I wasn't able to open before. So try to make your way to getting back to the game that you always love, but don't always don't forget that the game that you always love is still a platform. And I just continue to fight for what I love, and I continue to use the platform that it gave me. So walk, walk me through what you've done since, right? You started this nonprofit. Uh, you've done some investing, some business stuff. And then, and then you went back to college. I mean, that, that must have been really cool also. Yeah, I've, I've been a, a a very busy man since uh, <laughs> since I since I decided to 
to retire from the game of football. So I, I went back to the University of Pitt and took some classes, and then I finished off at the University of House or the uh, Ohio State University. I almost messed that one up. I don't know. <laughs> and then that's where you played, right? Yes, and then I played at the the Ohio State University as well. I went back in, made sure I got my degree. Then after that, I started investing in a few uh, different uh, businesses. Uh, one is a real estate business. Um, I also own a small uh, e esports gaming team. But the things that are, are kind of my pride and joy right now, and I'm really excited about, is that I started a foundation called the Ryan Shea Zero Fund for spinal rehabilitation. And it's a fund to allow other family members and other uh, to participants that have went through a spinal cord injury to be able to allow them to help them with a the quality of life and be able to provide more support for them and their families. Because when somebody goes through a spinal cord injury, it's a very difficult, difficult uh, journey. A lot of them are uh, aren't able to get the amount of rehab and some of the resources that I was provided with. So I wanted to be able to allow everybody to be, not everybody, but allow people to be more equipped with uh, resources and rehab. But then also uh, their family members are often, often forgot about because they're the ones who are going through the injuries and their family members they may not be the ones that can't walk. They may not be the ones in the hospital, but I promise you they're hurting just as much as the person that has a spinal cord injury. So I just wanted to provide a, a foundation to support those families. So we have a, a few different programs that we recently started that I'm really excited about. Uh, another thing that I just started is, well, that, that's coming out in November, November 30th, is my book, and it's called Walking Miracle. And it's about about my story and a little bit about what we talked about today, but a little bit more in depth. And it's, I'm really excited about it because it really shows people how I was able to overcome a lot of adversity in my life. And I had a spinal cord injury. I, I had alopecia, but I also had some other things in my life that, that I feel that built me for this moment and helped me be able to overcome a lot of obstacles that I was able to overcome. So I think that would be a great book that, that people will really enjoy. And it comes out November 30th. And lastly, I just started uh, a business. And the business that I started is a logistics business. It's a car transportation business. So when people are moving across the countries or buying across the countries, are buying cars across the country, they can use my services to move their cars across the country and it's called shade trucking. So I'm really excited wow. about all three of those things. Yeah. I remember talking to you and, and you're sort of talking, you, you were interested in writing and, and I said, you should do a book because, you know, you have this, you went through this thing that unfortunately uh, thousands of people go through every year uh, all over the world. They're, they're not usually doing it on Monday night football in front of tens of millions of people, but People, I, I, my, my father broke his neck when he was like eight or nine years old uh, and spent like a year in the hospital. Um, so, so you know what happens and you, you had resources, but you also had, uh, and, and you had advantages, but you also had, you know, other difficulties and, and, and you were able to get through it. I think you, you, you have, when we go through something, one of the ways that the obstacle can be the way is that 
even though it was terribly hard for us, by sharing our experiences, by learning lessons from it, we can make it less hard for the people that come after us. And that 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 takes a negative situation and makes it slightly less negative. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. One thing my dad, my dad says this quote a lot. He said, borrow wisdom saves you a lot of time, mm-hmm. pain, and money. And one thing that I, I've done my whole life is borrow a lot of wisdom from other people and a lot of life experiences from other people. So I felt, why can't I do the same thing and be able to help others overcome their obstacles and help them find their their path through their obstacles and from from my past experience. So, uh, you know, I just try to give some borrow wisdom in my book and just talk about the things that I went through to help, to help others. How do, how do you feel like the organization treated you? I I, I got to imagine uh, that that was difficult for everyone involved, but it, it does seem like you guys have a, a good relationship going, you know, coming out of what was a, a, a tragic, unfortunate situation. I, I think the organization couldn't have treated me any better. Uh, honestly, I, I, I can't complain at all. The, the Rooney family and the Steelers, I think done everything they possibly can to, to support me, support my family, uh, and support my foundation. Just supporting my whole life. They they've been really here and just supporting supporting us through this whole journey. It, it could have went in a whole different direction. And one thing that the Rooney's did is to make sure that they knew that I knew that they were there for me, that the, the Steelers were there for me, and the city of Pittsburgh was here for me. So I couldn't complain at all because they. They provided so much support for, for my family, my my family and, and my friends, and just I I can't I I have I have so many words to say you know I I can't say them all because I, I really I really feel like I'm part of the family the way they treated me. Well, no, and the reason I bring that up is because you know when we say the obstacle is away or there's an opportunity inside every disaster, it's not just for you, the person who this thing happened to. But I think from and again, I only know Thomas. Uh, we've gotten together a few times, but we're not we're not like uh, close close friends. So so I I don't know the particulars of it. But it looks like the team, the organization, uh, the owners. It, it it seems like they they also saw this as an opportunity to step up and show what support looks like, what grace looks like, what loyalty looks like, what sort of putting people before business looks like, right? I mean, I don't think they, they they did have an obligation, but they probably didn't have, they probably went well beyond whatever their legal obligation was to you contractually and did what's, what's obviously the right thing. Uh, and, and that, unfortunately that's like kind of rare. Yeah. Especially in the NFL, it's a lot of, it's a lot of owners and, and I'm not going to say just the NFL, but in the, and just a lot of national sport leagues. Yeah. A lot of ownerships and a lot of the teams are owned by people that are more business minded and business savvy. So they're more focused on running it like a business. Sure. And obviously they're when they win, it's enjoyable. It's 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 their it's their video game. It's their real mm-hmm. life video game. So to them, it might they might not get as emotionally tied to other people as some teams do. But the thing with the Steelers, 
that I know from personal experience, I know everybody's experience is a little bit different than mine, but I feel that they treat it more like a family business and it is their family business. And I think that's why they have a closer attachment to players than a lot of other sport teams and sport leagues do because of their family, the way they run the business, the way they treat people in the way they've done business in the last 80 years. So that's why I feel that they treat people so kind, so respectfully. And I'm just blessed to be somebody that was drafted there and have the support of this great franchise. Yeah, because look, people will talk about, hey, this is a family. Hey, we're all in this together. And I think, you know, we saw this during the pandemic. Businesses had said that for a long time. And then something happened and suddenly they're like, but by the way, you know, business is business. And and I think there's this stoic idea of like, look, you don't talk about it. uh, you, You do it right. Don't talk about it. Be about it. And it strikes me that what happened in your case is, again, unfortunately rare. But, you know, you. People talk about how we're a team. We sacrifice for each other. We're all in this together. But then something happens and it costs you money or time or a spot on the roster to like actually stick with that. You know, then people don't do it. And I think what to me, what I what's at least inspiring about your story is that like all the things that people said they actually used this as an opportunity to prove you guys were in it together and you, you did sacrifice together. You were committed together and you, you got better together. And, and now you're, you're, you'll always be part of each other's story forever because of that. You're, you're very right about that. A lot of people always say, Hey, we're family. We're doing things together. But like, but like you said, when things, uh, when things get ugly, you you see how people true colors are, and to me, I feel like they still show who their true colors are, and let everybody see. Hey, this is how we run our organization. This guy has been with us and supported us and done everything the way that we've always supported, and I don't see why we would stop that right now. And like you said, a lot of businesses will say, hey, we're family, we'll do this, we'll do that. But some people, you know, uh, will cut a dollar to save a penny. You know, yeah. so uh, it's, it's sad, but that's just the life we live in, the, uh, the world we live in. And I'm just blessed to be able to be be by and stand by an organization that live by the principles that they talk about. And and on that no, and I think this is a good place to wrap up. I've got to imagine uh, your girlfriend, now wife, um, you know, in, in, in the wedding vows, we say, uh, you know, in sickness and in health, it must have been a surreal moment and a test of you guys. And that like, you know, she shows up at that game, you're a Pro Bowl player in the NFL, making millions of dollars uh, on your way to being a Hall of Famer in your profession. And that night, you know, she sees you uh, in the hospital uh, being told you're never going to walk again. How, how did this experience, I mean, it could, that could break a lot of couples apart. How did, how, how did you guys use this experience to, to get where you now are? One thing with us, 
Michelle, I actually uh, talked to her about this, I, and I'm just truly thankful she didn't listen to me. I was like, Michelle, man, you're a, you're a beautiful you're a beautiful young lady. Uh, at the time, we were 25, and I said, Michelle, you're a beautiful young lady. You don't you don't have to uh, be with me anymore. I don't want you to take care of somebody that's going to be paralyzed for the rest of their life. You can go find whoever you want. And she pretty much told me, shut up. Uh, and she was like, hey, uh, I decided to be your fiance uh, before you got injured. And I told you, no matter what, I'm going to be here for you. And that's exactly what she did. Every day in the hospital, she slept by me in the bed in a, in a, in a, in a stretcher that they brought in for her. And every single day that I, I stayed in the hospital, and I was in the hospital for two months straight, she was in the hospital every day with me. And she could have slept in our bed. That's a lot more comfortable, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, than a, than a, a hospital stretcher. But she was, she was like, like the Stiller, she, she said what she would do and, and was the person that she said she would be before I got injured. And she was the same person after I got injured. And uh, it wasn't easy. We definitely had a lot of hiccups and, and it was a lot of pain and struggle, but uh, we were able to overcome it. And I think it was because how supportive my wife was, how how strong she was, and I was just I'm I'm just truly blessed that to have her in my life. Well, I think sometimes, especially ambitious people, they're like, you know, I I I don't have time for family. I don't have time for a relationship in my life because I want to be best in the world at writing or football or being a movie director or an investor. And, and I definitely get that because there's, there is a cost to sort of uh, having people in your life, right? I mean, it takes time. And, and the one thing you don't have when you're trying to master something is, is free time. But it strikes me that that is a very, that is a strategy that only works if everything goes your way. I've got to imagine that um, your story might've ended differently had you been single when this all happened, uh, or if you'd, if you'd had to do this alone, I, I wonder, I wonder how it would have gone if there wasn't someone sleeping in the hospital bed next to you. Yeah, I definitely feel this would have been a little bit of a different situation for me if I didn't have my wife with me at the time. And the reason I say that is because she, she just really been my rock. She's really been there for me this whole time. I would have had my mom and dad and my, my mother and father and my brother, and they were all very, very supportive, but they all had their own lives as well. And just to have somebody that's very supportive to be there with me, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how I would have done it any differently. I know a lot of people, like you said, it's great when, you know, I don't have time for family. I got to do it my way. I got to grind it out. But some, sometimes uh, that that works really well, but if if you don't have if you don't have uh, somebody some, in in those really hard times when you need them, is it, it gets very lonely and really tough uh, when you're when you're by yourself. Yeah, it's and it sounds like she was uh, in some of the moments when you when you were lo- you lost uh, motivation or you doubted yourself or you you didn't want to do it or you felt like you couldn't do it. It sounds like she was not unlike the teammates and coaches you have, which is that she saw that there was uh, that you did have what it took or that you you did actually want to do it and that you needed to be encouraged and you needed to be pushed and you needed also to be supported. But 
it sounds like she she was there uh, when she was there pu- pushing you to be to do what maybe sometimes you weren't even sure you could do. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say that it was a bunch of times I didn't feel like I, I could do something. It was more about uh, she was just there and understood, hey, Ryan, you want to achieve this goal, and I'm not going to allow you to not achieve it because of your mm-hmm. lack of your lack of want to or your lack of I'm tired right now. At so that moment. Was, at that moment. Yeah, so she, she definitely – knows knows my uh my my good and my bad and, and she knows how I am in certain situations. So she definitely uh she she definitely was there for me no matter what. She held you accountable to the standards that you had yourself set. Yes sir. Yes sir. That's the best way to put it. So last thing, um because now you think about this with the with the nonprofit and I'm sure I'm sure the Steelers bring you in when someone gets hurt. I'm sure athlete, I'm sure your phone number gets passed around. Um, as as let, let's say you're an athlete. Let's say you're you know you're just someone who's walking down the street. You got clipped by a car, or let's say you just got some terrible diagnosis from the doctor. What do you What would you say to someone whose life has just changed because of an injury, because of a setback, because of a you know a door that got closed? Um, what's, what's the sort of process you would walk them through having, you know, been, been through that darkness now yourself, what kind of light would you, would you help shine for them? So everybody's a little bit different because I could tell one person something and it might work for them, but then I tell somebody else something that doesn't work for them. Sure. So based off of the person's experience, based off of their life and, and this and what they they've told me, I, I just like to talk to them personally and just see what what they're going through, how they feel about things, and 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 I just build a conversation off of that, and I just try to help them grow off of what helped them get to where they were at before they got hurt, and talk to them about things that they enjoyed before they got hurt, and just let them know that those things are still there. You just have to still fight for it. And you fought for it before you got hurt, but it was just a different type of fight. And everybody has the adversity. Or everybody's been some, through some type of adversity that allowed them to get to where they are now. And I just try to make sure that they know that and use whatever they did to fight through the adversity that they overcame before to use that to overcome what they're going through now. Yeah, and and uh, and probably I guess you'd tell them that it it ta- it's going to take longer than they think, right? I, I'm I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely one of the, the the one of the key things I tell people that hey, Rome wasn't built in a day, and most people didn't recover in a day. So I tell people one thing you have to understand is that it's not a it's not a sprint; it's a marathon. So you can want all you want to just get up and run run to the mailbox tomorrow. Hey, I'm not saying you can't do it, but just know it's going to take a lot of work if you're going to try to do it. Well, and and I guess this is a, another key stoic uh, discipline. But like, um, if you force it, if you push it earlier, too early, you might end up hurting yourself more or doing more damage that actually makes whatever you're trying to do less likely or further away. Yeah, no, that happens to a lot more people than 
than people actually think. A lot of people, they 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 want it so bad sometimes that that they push it way too much. And it's it's nothing wrong with working hard, but the one thing I tell people too, you have to also gauge where you are in the moment. And I told a lot of guys this because a lot of guys will want to. Man, I'm I'm all right. I can I, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And I'm like, yeah, you can do it. But you also got to understand when your body is tired, your body is telling you something. So you have to listen to your body and understand where your body wants you to be at. And don't 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 try to overdo it because at the end of the day, if if your body if your body telling you to stop, that means to stop. If your body's telling you to go, go. And then it, it might be sometimes when you can push it a little bit extra, but you, you, you always got to listen to what your, what your body's telling you. I love that. Ryan, I'm so glad that we got to, me, to meet when I, when I sat down and wrote this book about ancient philosophy. This isn't the kind of connection I thought uh, would come of it, um, but I'm so sort of humbled and honored that it did. And, and your journey is like uh, incredibly inspiring to me. And, and I, I think the good you're doing coming out of it, even though it came at the expense of you know, what you wanted to do most in life uh, is is just a, a profound sort of lesson and example for us all to follow in. And uh, I'm, I'm really glad we got to meet and, and uh, I'm, I'm glad you did this book. And I think it's going to help a lot of people. And uh, I, I hope you keep using uh, what happened to you as as a way to make the world a better place and uh, to, to provide a great example for people. And, and uh, I think that's what you're doing. Thank you so much, Ryan. Uh, your your book really helped me out a lot, and I know it's helped out millions of people. And I'm just grateful to be able to to join your podcast and just to talk to you about how it was able to help me and, and help others. Well, I, I hope we can meet in person someday, and uh, maybe we'll go for a run or something as you as you uh, as you as you recover. It, it would be uh, truly an honor. Uh, thank you so much. Daily Stoic is raising money for Feeding America. Last year, the Daily Stoic community came together and raised over $100,000 together, providing more than a million meals. And this year, we're trying to go twice as big. We've donated the first $20,000, and we'd like your help getting to our goal of $200,000, which would provide more than 2 million meals for families across the country. You just have to head over to dailystoic.com feeding, and together we can make a small dent in a big problem. We can't alleviate everyone's struggle or suffering, of course, but for the people we can help, the difference is huge. So let's do it. Let's be good Stoics today. Let's fulfill our obligation. Just go to dailystoic.com feeding. Even $1 can provide as many as 10 meals. So head over to dailystoic.com feeding to help us reach our goal of providing 2 million meals for families across the country. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Do you want to hear about the $100 wedding dress that just saved Abercrombie? Or the tech acquisition that was just like Game of Thrones? Or the one financial equation that can solve climate change? Then check out our daily podcast, The Best One Yet, or as we call it, T-Boy. This is Nick. This is Jack. And we pick the three most interesting business news stories every day for the perfect mix. 20 minutes each morning, you're going to feel brighter. We call it pop biz, don't we, Jack? Where pop culture meets business news. So whether you want to kick off a conversation with your buddies or you're going for that promotion at work or you just want to know the trends before your friends. Feel brighter by starting your morning with us every weekday. Listen to the best one yet on the Wondery app or wherever you get your pods. You can listen to the best one yet ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. For more deep dive and daily business content, listen on Wondery, the destination for business podcasts. With shows like The Best One Yet, How I Built This, and many more, Wondery means business.